0: From mass shutdowns to job site safety concerns, the global pandemic has transformed construction as we know it. As the AEC community continues to navigate this unprecedented situation, we're sitting down with construction leaders from around the globe to hear how they're responding to these evolving circumstances. Welcome to STO Building Conversations and episode five of the COVID-19 series.
1: I am here with Rob Leon and Jennifer Torano, who help lead um, our sustainability and wellness efforts at STO Building Group. And we're here to talk today a little bit more about what the effect of COVID-19 has been when it comes to sustainability and wellness and what we're seeing for the future of workplace and the built environment. So Rob, when all this first started happening, you led a task force here to help our organization better understand how the pandemic might affect design and construction, especially when it comes to commercial interiors. Can you talk about you know, what was your approach to that? What were you guys trying to find out and, and why it was important to you to do that?
2: Sure, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that I think is important to understand is that, you know, we have to heavily lean on our design partners when we talk about this, uh, aside from our clients. So, our clients were looking for a way through what was going on and what is still going on. And the evolution of the workplace going from a very collaborative, densified place doesn't really sit well with the new um, issues that are going on, the pandemic and the guidelines by the CDC and the WHO. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to be able to have answers for our clients when they called us and say, you know, what are the other clients doing? What do we th- see the industry uh, leaning towards? And I think the, the things that we found were that, first of all, what's happening now, like in the immediate future, what's happening in the in the near future, and then what is going to maybe happen and stick and be permanent into the design. So that was one of the things. And the other thing that I think was a resounding information piece was that flexibility is very important. We've been talking about flexibility for a long, long time uh, in the workplace, but now I think it's even more relevant. Flexibility meaning how do you use space inside the physical workplace, whether it's private versus communal. Uh, And what does flexibility mean where you're saying, do you even have to come to the office? Can you work remotely? What is that nice mix? So when you put all this together, you say there's got to be a cultural shift because it's both a behavioral change and it's also a physical change of what's happening. Uh, and again, we wanted to really look into this and do the study and do the research, not only for our own sake, because we need to know how we're gonna work in our own environment, but how are we gonna service our clients best and have some of the answers.
1: So of the of that research that you did, um, are some of the things that you're seeing the design our design partners saying, do you anticipate those happening kind of no matter when people come back, whether it's in a month or a year?
2: So, again, I think it depends on when, right? So, right now, I'm going to use our office as sort of a test case, right, and here in New York, you know, because we were in that phase one return to work, essential workers, we had to be uh, ready to occupy our space. So, the things that we implemented, for example, we had a staggered workforce, right, because we were only allowed to have 50% of the workforce here in the offices in New York. Uh, We had to have wayfinding, so we had directionals put in place, so paths of travel would be uh, one directional, so you wouldn't cross paths with people. And, um, you know, a lot of signage explaining what we could do, you know, uh, for example, less seating in conference rooms to promote the social distancing. We put up plexiglass dividers between people in the workspaces limitations on vertical transportation, for example, uh, temperature taking. So, you know, when we talk about this, you can hear that it's both physical and behavioral implementations that we had put in. Um, So again, I think that it really depends on when the clients, when, you know, people go back to work, what is the state of the rest of the environment? You know, do we have a vaccine yet? Do we not? What are people's anxieties, concerns? Uh, of coming back to the workplace. a resounding amount of people do want to come back to the workplace. You know, working from home sounds like a great thing until you have to do it. People had to, you know, get their kids through school. So it's more than just a work from home situation in the traditional sense.
1: And I'm sure for some places like New York and Boston where Jen and I sit, transportation is part of the problem, you know, getting to the office, you know, the the comfort level might be there. It's once you're in the office, (laughs) it's just getting to the office that can be the challenge and, and out of our control. Yeah.
0: And I think just to kind of reiterate too, what Rob had mentioned about the employees coming back to the workplace, we're dealing with existing buildings. And I think if we take a step back further, we're talking about um, people haven't been in those buildings at all. And buildings were meant to be operated with people inside them, right? So all of the settings, the HVAC settings, all of the you know, stagnant water in buildings, right? So I think that it starts even when the client decides that they're coming back into the office, what are the measures that they need to take to flush out the pipes, to do um, some filter changes, just to make sure that there's been no mold and mildew growth, no condensation in the amount of time that people have been gone. There's a host of health issues beyond just the obvious.
1: And that's a good point, Jen, um, that the indoor air quality is sort of the number one focus area right now, I think. What are you seeing as director of sustainability in terms of what that means for building sustainability overall and for upgrading HVAC systems and all that kind of stuff?
0: Yeah, so I think the easy ones in existing building scenarios, people are looking to air filtration. Can they upgrade their air filters if they're at uh, what we call an, a, a MERV rating, minimum efficiency uh, rating value, uh, which talks about the size of particulate that gets captured in the filter. If they're at a if they're at a lower number, can they move to a higher number and capture more finer particles? Um, there are obvious limitations for existing systems, and so we have to work with them to figure out what's not going to overtax the motor or you know create other problems down the line. But I think that's sort of one of the big the big quick hits. There have been other conversations about. UV lighting in HVAC systems, and what we're seeing is, is that the jury's out. Um, one day I'll read an article that says we can make it work, and another day I'll read an article that says there's no way, um, you know, that this would ever work. So I think that everything is a case-by-case scenario. Everybody's systems are different. That's the other big challenge: is, is that you know, no two buildings are the same uh, anywhere. So we're really kind of having to take each client and doing a little due diligence and and doing some research
1: that's been one of the challenges I think of this whole situation is it's just the word everyone keeps using is unprecedented and it's so hard to make decisions when you're in the storm (laughs) and that's what's happening is, you know, we don't know, we want to react. Um, so given that, do you guys see that, you know, code codes are going to change building codes or certifications like well or lead are going to start integrating these kinds of things into their programs?
0: You know, what we have to remember is fundamentally codes, move very slowly. Changing the building code is not gonna happen overnight, even in the midst of a pandemic. And so it's really going to be best practices that we as an industry, as a community, uh, design professionals put in place and figure out what works, you know, maybe in advance. I think we're gonna find that groups like ASHRAE are gonna to hesitate to fundamentally say anything until this, they have the science, right? And all of this takes time. So we're leaning really heavily on some of our industry partners, like the International Well-Building Institute and Delos, and figuring out what they're doing. And, and you know, they are creating a new health and safety standard that they've just released. So I think that what we're going to see is that in some ways, the industry is going to really innovate and move faster than code compliance.
2: Yeah, I, Jen, I think that's a great point. And when you think about it too, is that the organizations like the IWBI that Jen was mentioning—it's actually international, right? So I think that's the other piece of the puzzle here. When we talk about consistency, it has to happen more on a global level, especially with the trade partners that we have, uh, you know, in Europe. And where we where are we doing a lot of business between ourselves and the other countries across the uh, across the world? It's got to be consistent.
1: And you both have mentioned some of the um, anxiety that comes into play for people. Are you seeing on the well side of things, you know, wellness is the, the focus of that. Are you seeing any trends that you think are gonna come through either certification or just wellness in general that will become the norm?
0: I think that um, it's starting with small things. Uh, Rob talked about the wayfinding, for example, and there have been a lot of conversations about, you know, yes, you need the signage, but the colors matter and the language matters. It's not like you must wear a mask. It's more like pleasant. It's like, let's wear masks, right? So you sort of entice people into this new culture of normality with ease rather than hitting people over the head with a hammer. I think it it eases that transition for a lot of people. And I think that just overly communicating, that's the other thing we're seeing that, you know, we're doing it internally, our clients are doing it, is that the more information people have, the better they're going to ultimately feel.
2: Without a doubt. And, And to, you know, to build on that, it's better to say what you can do instead of what you can't do. Jen's right, it's putting the right spin on it to alleviate anxiety instead of uh, increase the anxiety that people are coming to work with or staying home with, right? So yeah, there's there's a lot of that that has to happen. And again, consistently, it it just harkens back to like safety 360, right? We wanna change the industry. So worker A doesn't go onto our job site and have a different set of rules than, than the job site of our competitors or our colleagues, right? We want it to be consistent and that has to be the same thing uh, in, in this situation that we're in. Because if again, if there's consistency, then when you get on a train with somebody else, you know that there is a certain level of precautions that people are taking and that makes people feel okay. And I think back to the physical space then, we have to set aside some, some room where people can sort of just have a little bit of downtime, five minutes of just decompressing so they can deal with whatever anxieties. Because there's a lot of things going on at home too, like we said before. So we have to be able to give the physical space support along with whatever kind of support systems that we can give to our employees. We have to be able to be balancing the physical space with the emotional and behavioral piece.
1: So a lot of our conversation has been focusing on commercial interiors and office places. But our, as you guys know, our organization works in healthcare and manufacturing and other industries. Healthcare, for example, has sort of had higher standards when it comes to indoor air quality and some of the issues we're dealing with now. Have we been able to look toward those sectors to kind of see what we can learn from them and and what they're doing going forward since they have to be a little bit more vigilant?
0: Yeah, I would say 100%. That was one of the things that uh, on the task force came out of the gate really quickly is you know if we're going to create these indoor environments that promote health and wellness and perhaps reduce the spread where else does this happen oh great healthcare let's go talk to the healthcare guys and find out you know what can we pull over from some of those conversations and and some great things come out of it that you know we talk about pressurization there's this theory about you know moving air from one room into another so you get from you know the cleanest rooms into the not cleanest rooms and pulling you know dirty air out through exhaust systems whether it's in janitors' closets or bathrooms or whatever, and, and what does that look like in a healthcare environment, and how could it ultimately work in a office space? And so, I would say absolutely, that's been a big part of a lot of our conversations with clients and with our own internal staff as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and Jen, can you talk a bit about um, like material selections, like anti antimicrobial surfaces, uh, touchless technology, things that we see a lot in the in the hospital environment?
0: Yeah, so antimicrobials is another big one that's come up a lot lately, and there's been a ton of research on them. They, for years, have been proven ineffective, and actually, they're more harmful in the long term to human health. And so we kind of got away from putting those materials. I would say, you know, there's a lot of healthcare people out there who have denounced them over the years and refused to have them put in their specs, but they're starting to creep back up into conversations because retailers are still putting things like this in our clothing, You know, it's still very much out there in the consumer world. And so when our clients hear it, they think it's okay. And so it's really beholden on all of us to educate ourselves and educate each other about some of these things that work and don't work. You know, I think that amongst all of those antimicrobials, the one that we've come across that seems to be the least impactful on human health is copper. Um, But unfortunately, we can't line everything with copper. It's kind of expensive. The other thing that Rob's 100% correct, I I think technology is going to move pretty quickly in these like touchless environments. Like how do we uh, how do we open doors with an app on our phone instead of having to touch them? Like, Or do they just sense ultimately that we're coming at some point and open for us in advance? And, you know, the bathrooms have, have long had touchless uh, options, but um, there's a big run on installing touchless faucets in in kitchen pantries for our clients to the point where some of those manufacturers were really worried about having enough materials to supply them. So that's definitely another trend that we've been seeing.
2: And when you think about how this could tie into intelligent buildings, right? So we, we have a security badge, for example. We have facial recognition to get through the turnstiles. And when you have that device on you, do you have to physically push a button to call an elevator? Elevator knows you're going to whatever floor. Do, do you have to push a button to get through a door? Um, And it doesn't necessarily have to be the sensors that sense that you're in front of the door because it could be a security issue. But if you have your security badge, you have the clearance through whatever technology may uh, be acceptable to allow you through that door, for example. And then that just carries on. Does that then turn on the lights in your workplace, workspace, in your office, whatever that might be? And you can think about how far down the road this can go. Can it make the cup of coffee that you typically want, you know, from at the pantry and whatever? It just, you know, the, the technology is, I think, really going to expand um, really quickly on this. And again, just like everything, it's going to be what sticks and what is just more of a quote unquote fad that maybe, you know, really playing Reaction. into people's media. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. actually, plays people's immediate desires and and thoughts and. And anxiety so
1: well while we're on that topic of reactions and trends how much of an impact do you think and I guess lasting power do you think remote working will have and I want you to I, I'd like you both to answer that in terms of on the office in general and then Jen on sustainability you know what what effect even have we seen already on cities and commuting and and all that kind of thing
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there have been some great articles in the news about how outdoor air quality has gotten so much better, especially in cities, you know, people being able to see through the water in Venice or be able to see mountains, ranges that they hadn't seen for years. And so I think that there's some optimistic part of me that like is hopeful that once people have those experiences that they want to keep them, But the other side of the reality is, is that what we're seeing is that in many cases, people are going to a more disposable society, right? Is that, you know, everybody, you know, there's disposable masks and and gloves and the PPE that you were required in life. And, you know, what happens with that? And- you know I think that was another thing actually that came out of our task force learnings is, is that you know we can't forget the sustainability piece and and I go back to commuting I means so many people are driving to work now I mean and you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a pass because we're not at 100% of a workforce but the, imagine being stuck in Boston traffic again when 100% of the workers come back it's just not sustainable and not only from an environmental way I mean, it would take you literally an hour to get from one part of Boston to oh, the other yeah. part of Boston. Too. So um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, welcome to Boston. You're only an hour away, right? So like, <laughs> so, so I think in some ways we really have to remember that, that we got as far as we did with banning plastic bags and going to a more environmental outlook on things and we need to sort of dampen that with the risk that we're taking Mm -hmm. Um, because climate change is still real, right? So we're still battling that at the same time that we're battling the pandemic. Um, And there's no reason to backslide. I think.
2: Yeah. So I think those are great, great points. And we, you know, we think about it, you know, we talk about environmentalism is, is quote-unquote saving the earth, but we're really saving the human race, right? Because the earth will take care of itself by probably ridding itself of us. You eliminating know? us, yeah. Us, right? But going back to the, the, the question, will the work from home piece be long-lasting? All I have to say is that everything that we saw in our research says that we have to continue the flexibility. I don't think it will be a mandate, but we, you know, People wanna get back to the office. It continues and solidifies the culture of the company. It's the conversations and interactions that you have with people that aren't scheduled on a Zoom meeting or a go-to meeting that can be completely monotonous, right? So you wanna have that. You know, There's a sense of professionalism also when you come to an office. There's branding, there's your, your company brand when you come to the office. So the takeaway really, again, is flexibility and the the sense of community you have to have that people want to be around other people and not in always a very formal controlled way it has to be those you know oh you run into somebody others and an idea that it, it breeds innovation it breeds productivity believe it or not to have those little sidebars and little diversions actually really lead to more productivity so i think that the flexibility piece will will be long lasting even when we do get a vaccine for this, I think that will be the big takeaway, the flexibility of, of the workforce.
0: Um, and just, just, you know, shout out to Rob. I think one um, one of the things that he's done really well during this pandemic is bring a, a tight-knit group or global department together even closer. By setting up, we have, you know, weekly calls. We used to meet once a month and then we went to like, actually we were meeting a couple times a week and, and now we're down to one time a week. But when Rob asked, Uh, today as a matter of fact on our weekly call do people still want to go forward with it even though it looks like things are getting back to normal everybody resoundingly said yes and i think part of that is that connectivity that even though we were a disparate group that we were you know we're all kind of spread out in different business units um, because we're working for our clients throughout the globe but bringing us together over that phone call even if it is 15 minutes or 30 minutes just to check in see everybody's faces you know hear a, a random joke from one of our colleagues or you know whatever it is i think is really more meaningful now in some ways and i think that you know i'm i'm hopeful that that's one of the positives that comes out of this even as we do all start returning to the office
1: yeah and i think in the in the very beginning rob you mentioned that you know the the trends that were happening before this were Collaboration and flexibility. And it's sounding to me like they still are. It's just maybe a new take on flexibility. I think for many industries, remote working was part of that flexible package, um, but maybe not with the acceptance or to the extent it would be now. The system's just been a little disrupted. You know, even for myself, I have always liked working from home, but I do not want to work from home five days a week. No, right. sir. No, thank you. So I, I agree with that. My, you know, just on a personal level, being able to mix it up, you know, and, and kind of do what you need to do in the office, what you can do at home. It's, I think that, I think you're right. That will be a lasting takeaway, even for industries like ours that haven't typically embraced remote working. I think everybody learned that it works and we can do it, especially with video conference calls. It was a game changer.
2: Yeah. And you know, the other thing too, I think it kind of, uh, de-glorified it. Like people think it's not glorified is not the right word, but I'm saying that like like it was a benefit
1: of some sort. Yeah. Like, oh,
2: (laughs) it's work. That's great. You get to work from home. That's great. I can't wait to do that and be like, I can't wait to get back to the office, you know? there are there are advantages obviously of of working from home and when you can do it and how you do it for all different industries and also different functions within whatever business you're in right i think we're sort of unlocking the key to finding the right balance right and you know the people who really wanted to go work from home and then saying well you know what it's not it all that cracked up to be, there There are some issues of, of having to work from home. But there's also the people who said, ah, we can never do it because of X, Y, and Z saying, you know what? It's not so bad, right? We can still be productive. You know, we're talking about a workforce that's, you know, um, uh, that's comprised of adults, and they know the things that they have to do. And as long as you also have good management and a good strong culture in your company that can carry that through, uh, I think it could be very, very sustaining and successful. So we'll see what happens, but I I do think that that's going to be around for uh, for a long time.
1: I think you're right, and we'll see. Seems to continue to be the theme of any of these discussions related to COVID. I mean, it's I remember them saying we're going to have to either shelter in place or wear masks, or you know, back when they're having the daily press conferences, maybe until July. Like I remember them saying that. And we all thought, no way, no way, and here we are, and things are you know in some areas are shooting back up. So yeah. we'll see.
2: <laughs> we will see. We shall see. <laughs> Only time will tell. And there are so many factors of what's going on. Uh, you know, this, the, the pandemic that we're in right now is actually just highlighting the situation, exacerbating situation, and possibly even accelerating the situation on many, many different fronts, the sustainable fronts to technology, to culture of, of how we're going to work and allow people to uh, have flexibility. So it's, um, it's all going to change. And when we get to wherever we think it's going to be, it's going to change again because that's what happens. Right. Everything evolves. Uh, We just put into a situation that we have to uh, really focus in on it right now.
0: I think the other thing, my takeaway from this is that there's also no silver bullet. Like, you know, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. There's, There's no one solution to any problem. And so, you know, you don't even get to the point where you might even be able to iterate a solution because you're dealing with different people. You're dealing with different sets of systems. You're dealing with so many different variables that everything really has to be bespoke in a way. And you're just... You're taking it all in, and then having to like give the best possible answer back to. Um, it's just like a giant SAT test. It's the best possible answer <laughs> that, that you know we're giving back out at the end. But all of those, you know, all of the potential solutions, they are backed in science. Um, it's just a matter of like how which one of these pieces of the puzzle fit in uh, into the problem.
1: You know, you hear everyone likening this, especially in the Northeast, to nine eleven. You know, there were so many drastic changes made in the way we operate in our world, at least in the United States. And I think it is a really apt comparison because there's going to be, for sure, lasting things. You know, maybe wearing masks every single day won't stick around forever, just like certain security check type things didn't after 9-11. But, you know, we all, there's always security in a lobby now, you know, and you have to go through TSA. Those things are still here. And I think there will be things like that from this too, that will just continue on. Cause there's probably gonna be some other kind of health risk, (laughs) not just this one. You know, there's, this is just one.
2: You're absolutely right. And so when that happened and the world changed and people said, wow, this can actually happen. That's the same thing that's happening now. This can actually happen. Who would have thought? And it happened like very quickly. You know, we were traveling everywhere one day and all of a sudden it was here and not just like a little bit, it was like here and then spread and bam, it was like everywhere. And here we are still talking about it. And it's a real learning situation. I think that we have got to go through, like I said, not just as a country, but as global community members as a whole human race. And again, you know, this is just one of the factors that lead us down the path towards changing and and evolving. Um, it's a huge factor right now, but again, it's just it's it's one of the factors right now that's uh, helping accelerate the the need to change.
1: Okay, well, I do appreciate you both talking about this, and I know it's gonna keep changing, especially as you said, our clients really return. I know we have so many that aren't. It's not even happening until twenty twenty one which is just so wild. Again, in March, we just never could have thought this would be the way. So yeah, yeah, yeah we'll see when that
0: happens too. Yeah. We've seen clients sit in a wait and see position because they're holding off on bringing okay. their employees back and trying to decide whether or not they really need to make some of these changes or, you know, or, or, or are we going to get lucky and, and get a vaccine before it happens? And I think the other part of that is wait and see what other people try and see what works, right? And so, uh, so I think that there's, I think there's a lot more to come and hopefully we'll be back here to talk about it again.
1: Absolutely. Thanks again to Rob, Leon, and Jen Toronto, who were our very first SEO Building Conversations podcast guests. So thanks for returning. And we hope to actually have you both on again to talk about what's coming up next.
2: Thank you, Alison. Thank Thank you. you, Brianna.
0: Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can find STO Building Conversations on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Structure Tone website.